you're like me, you have somewhere in your house or maybe in the cloud, uh, depending on your age likely, but you have photo albums in some way, shape or form. I know that we have a couple of photo albums from uh, our wedding day in and around that time period, the preparation, the wedding itself. Uh, we also have photo albums uh, for our children when they were younger that we took we took photos and, and my wife, not we, I shouldn't take credit for this at all. My wife organized them all in, into albums. And admittedly, we also have a huge stack of photos in a box uh, that, that are important to us, but I don't know that they would be important to anyone else. The reason we keep those, and the reason I think most of us keep photos or take photos is that in the moment we take them, we think this is something I want to remember. This is something important to me, whether it brought great joy or it was just a new opportunity or it was just documenting something, an event that was important in your life. You took pictures and regardless of where you store them, chances are you store them somewhere. You have them. Most of us do. And we do that again so that we can remember. The thing is, if we never actually look through those photo albums, are they serving their purpose? Admittedly, I don't look through those photo albums very much, which makes it more likely that I'm going to forget. Add that to the fact that I'm a little older and the fact that I'm human the thing is, if, thing, if I don't keep something in front of me, if I don't make it a point to remember, I will invariably forget. And I think that's also the case in our relationship with God. I think if we, we don't make it a point to remember, to remember that he sent his son to die for us on a cross, to remember that he has been faithful to us, and in particular, to remember in the context of today, to remember that he's with us and that he's been with us and carried us through this past year, or in this case with COVID, it kind of feels like a, a two-year lump of time that God has been with us and carried us through. If you're here today, it's I really believe it's because God wants you here. He wants you to either come to know him if you haven't yet, or he has, he has a grander purpose yet for you to fulfill in your life. And if you're here listening to this right now, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that God has brought you to this place, maybe helped lay some groundwork to prepare your heart, to have you consider the message that he has for you, and that it is that he sent his son that is the season we're just coming out of, Christmas. This, this celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of that child that would go on to be the savior of all the world, not just then, but now too. It's important for us to stop, especially in our faith, and remember. And that seems to be a problem not just for human beings now, not just for God's people now, but for God's people throughout all time. In fact, the word remember, the Hebrew word for remember is zakar. It shows up in the Old Testament 232 times. <laughs> and if I were to grab some themes from the Old Testament, I think one of them is and would be the prophets of God repeatedly reminding his people, right? Reminding them to remember, if you would. Reminding them to consider or to think about 
or to recognize or to know the things that God has done in their life. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, for example, it says, Then Moses said to the people, Remember, that's that word, zakar, remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. He's saying, look, even in the moment of God delivering them, he's saying, look, you're going to need to remember this. We would take a picture of it or we would write it down or put it in a journal. He's saying, remember this day, commit it to your memory. You're going to need it later. Remember that I've been here to provide for you. Remember that I freed you. In Deuteronomy 8, he uses this word in chapter 8, verse 2. It says, remember, Zakar, that the Lord our God led you on this entire journey, these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And just remember that whatever it is God is allowing you to go through, there is a purpose there for it. It may not feel like it in the moment. I'm sure it didn't for them as they were wandering in the wilderness. But remember, there is a purpose. And as he's writing here, he's saying, look, remember what you went through and remember what you learned from it. Which is good because it's a whole lot easier to see it in retrospect than it is when you're living it out, right? Especially if it's painful. In 1 Samuel 1 verse 19 It's used to describe God remembering the plight of his people. In particular, God remembering the prayers of one person. Her name is Hannah. Hannah, who had been without children and who desired a child so much and who committed to say, if you give me a child, God, I will give it to you. I will let it be used for your purposes. And she followed through with that. But even before she was able to follow through with that, she had to have a baby. She had to become pregnant. And it was God who remembered her. He remembered her plea. He heard her plight and he granted that for her. And she would go on to turn over her child to the things of God and allow God to use him as a prophet. His name is Samuel. And that's actually where we're going to spend some of our time today. Most of our time today is in the book of Samuel. First Samuel chapter seven is where we're going to be. But Samuel, the prophet, He came along in a time in Israel's history where it was splintered, where God had already delivered it from Egypt, had saved it, had brought it back to its homeland, and had made sure that they would be planted and safe, and and yet they were still struggling. During the course of, of Samuel's life, there would be a series of judges. In fact, Samuel was near the end of this reign of judges that were those who were interpreting the things of God those who were laying down God's laws and those who were keeping the people organized, he would be near the end. And during his lifetime, Israel would crown its first king, its human king, against God's wishes, mind you. (laughs) But they did. They crowned their first king. Samuel was a prophet, and that word is loaded. Uh, When we think prophet, we sometimes think uh, future-telling. And to an extent, It is. But the vast majority of prophecy in the Old Testament is not about telling the future. Again, some is. The vast majority is about identifying what God is doing right now and in the moment you're in and what his people are doing right now and how that could be good or bad for them. Are they pleasing God or are they not? 
as we join the story, Samuel is going to call the people of God to remember again. But he's going to do it a little bit differently. And, and we'll get there. But, but that word remember is something that Samuel uses nine times in, in his two books, First and Second Samuel. That word shows up nine times as he's repeatedly calling the people of God to remember what he has done. To go back and look at their photos or to look at their history or to look at their story, to remember that God has been with them even in the midst of their turmoil and their circumstances and their difficulty. The fact is we, in the last year or two, again with this COVID thing, we've been changed in the past year. Sometimes it's been challenging, sometimes it's been joyful, but remembering Remembering God's presence in the midst of these things, taking the time to stop and do that, will empower us to move into the future that God has set forth for us. So let's look at Samuel chapter 7. We're going to pick up in verse 7 of Samuel chapter 7. We're going to read verses 7 through 11 today. And just to, to set the tone for the story, this is what's happened. The Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of God's presence amongst his people, has been taken away. It's been removed by the Philistines and they have held it for a period of seven months. And, and I encourage you to read 1 Samuel 5 and 6. It's, it's a wonderful story of what happens when you, when you take away God from his people and how God can get very angry. <laughs> and the Philistines eventually end up after seven months of having this ark in their presence going, how in the world do we get this back to them? Because this this is driving our, our, us crazy. This is making our life very difficult because God said, no, I don't want to be here. And so, and so the, the ark has just returned to the people of God. In fact, it's been back about oh, a couple of months, maybe. And as he's writing, keep in mind, when the ark was not with God's people, when God was not present with them, they continuously lost to the Philippines to the Philippines, to the Philistines. They consistently lost their fights to them. But now that God is back, you're going to see something change. Let's read. It says in 1 Samuel 7, verses 7 through 11, I'm going to read out of the CSB, and here is what it says. It says, When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up toward Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. Let's pause right there real quick. They were afraid because their history with this enemy was that it, it won. It beat them. It killed their people. It, this enemy destroyed their crops. It made their lives very, very hard. And thus they were afraid. Even though God had returned to them, they were still scared. I, I think that's, that's, if we have memories of things that have happened before in our lives, they tend to leave us a mark on us. Even if God is present, the human part of who we are can remain frightened, remain scared. We can be afraid at a threat or a potential threat. And, and there are threats abounding in our world, right? In the last year, threats to our health. COVID is a great example. But there are more, right? If we, if we get beyond COVID, cancer is still a thing. Uh, the flu is still a thing. Heart attacks, heart disease, still a thing. Those are threats to our health that constantly, for many of us, instill fear. It could be a threat 
on our job. Maybe you've lost your job before and you don't want to be in that position again. I can tell you from personal experience, losing your job is a frightening thing, especially if you have a family to support and suddenly the weight of that is on you. Um, you would go to great lengths not to have that happen again. That can certainly arise fears within you. Maybe you, maybe you're, what you're afraid of is something physical. Maybe you're afraid of violence coming into your home or somebody doing something to you. Or maybe you're, what you're afraid of is, is a spiritual attack. I've had a number of conversa conversations lately with people who feel like that there is just a darkness, a force working against them. It's attacking them. And as they try to draw closer to God, they feel like all kinds of obstacles are getting in their way. Those things can instill fear in us, even when God is present. And the people of God here are no different. God is present with them now. The ark has come back to them. He is, they know it. That's the visible symbol that he is there and he is with them. And that, and that things have changed but they're still afraid. And, I, and I'm inclined to say that we would be the same. They, they felt it. I think we would still be fighting that enemy as well and believing and concerned that it could happen again, whatever that is. In this case, they were concerned that the Philistines were going to raid their lands again and take over. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 8, we'll pick up there. It says, The Israelites said to Samuel, again, the prophet Samuel, the prophet who's the connection between them and God. He says, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us so that he will save us from the Philistines. Right? Samuel, we need you. We need this connection with God. They, they know it. Even in the midst of their fear, they know it. Then Samuel took a young lamb and he offered offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. So even in the midst of what's going on, even in the midst of the fight, Samuel is fighting on behalf of them, right? Making an offering to God. That offering signifies repentance. That offering signifies cleansing. That offering signifies that they value God even in the midst of their time and their fears. They have paused. They're beginning to pause and remember <laughs> where their help comes from and what will get them through these fears even if they probably wouldn't have said it that way. They may have been doing it just out of desperation. Truth is, God will use whatever means necessary to remind you to come back to him. And if you come to him in desperation, he still loves you and he will still listen. Let's pick up the second half of verse 10. It says, the Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines and, a, and that day threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. And then the men of Israel charged out of Mitzpah and pursued the Philippines. Now that God has won the war for them, now they're, now, they're, now they're brave. They're not scared anymore. And now they're chasing this enemy away. They struck them down all the way to a place below Bethkar. They sent them packing. They sent the subject of their fear home and running away. But they didn't get brave until after the Lord showed up, after the Lord spoke up after the Lord did something for them. It's those moments that 
we as the people of God have a tendency to forget. Um, If you've been around me very long, you know that I did not grow up going to church. It wasn't a regular part of my life. Um, My parents were amazing at instilling Christian ideals. But truthfully, we didn't talk a whole lot about Jesus. It just wasn't us. Uh, We didn't attend church except on Christmas and Easter. It wasn't us. We didn't do that. And so my relationship with God came really along later in life as I discovered who he was and what he was about. And it was unintentional. I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it per se. In many ways, I was in the place that the the Israelites were here. The, The defining moment for me was being in a hospital room as my my wife was giving birth to our second child, to Joshua. And it was a difficult delivery. There was a lot going on and a vacuum and I could bore you with the story, but it was, it was, it was frightening. It was scary. And when Josh was born, he wasn't breathing. He wasn't breathing. And I think that was really the first time in my life that I had to stop and say, I can't do this myself. I'm desperate. And that was that moment when I said, God, I need you to do something here because I can't do this. And I know I don't know you very well, but I need you to do something here. Seemed like hours, probably about 15, 20, 30 seconds, maybe. Um, But they've got Josh over at another table and they're working on him. And all of a sudden he lets out this loud wail. And... It was that moment that I was like, this is all bigger than me, right? This is all bigger than what I can do. Without his presence, I realized I was helpless in the things that really mattered. The people of God here are experiencing that. They have come to the place where there is no other way out. And in fact, they've been beaten down and chased by this enemy repeatedly over and over and over again. They cannot do it on their own. They are appealing to God and God has shown up and loudly thundered. And all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, he really is here. The thing is, he's always been there with them. And what Samuel does next is really, really interesting. He says in verse 12, verses 12 and 13, he says, afterward, this is after the battle had taken place, after God had shown up and after God had carried them to victory where there was only loss before. He says, it says, afterward, Samuel took a stone and he set it upright between Mitzpah and Shen and he named it Ebenezer. The Lord has helped us to this point. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. That name, Ebenezer, it it shows up in three places in the book of Samuel. Um, At first, it's just a place. It's just a place where the people of God are resting. And then it becomes a place where an event has happened, where, where God has done something incredible. 
And then it shows up here where Samuel says, look, God was with you at this place as you rested. He was with you in this place as things got difficult and you were going through this turmoil and he was, and he is with you now at your victory, this Ebenezer. And it's come on, it's come to take on meaning, that meaning being the Lord has helped us to this point. The Lord has always been there. He's been watching over us. He's been caring for us. And regardless of how difficult the times have ever been for our people, right? Samuel's talking about a thousand years worth of time. You and I would be talking about a day, a week, a month, a year, or, or a lifetime. God has been present with us in and all of that time. Even as we've had people around us get sick and pass away. Remember, God has been present. He's the one who has carried you through. Even as you've had to deal with some of your greatest fears and be faced with those things, remember, God is present. He has been with you. He is, as the poem at the very beginning on that video said, he is the God of our future and our past. He's been here through all of it. And my encouragement, my hope for you is that right now in this, this time, you will take a minute to try to remember the times that God has shown up for you in your life. Maybe it's create a photo album. Maybe it's create a journal. I don't know what it is for you. But try to remember, because when you're in the midst of the battle, when you're in the midst of the difficulty, when you're in the midst of whatever's pressuring on you, it's really hard to remember because your emotions can overtake you. But at this time of year, particularly, right, as we face a new year, it is a great time to stop and remember the God who once was, still is with you, and will be with you wherever the future takes you. That is designed and purposeful to give us courage to move into a future that we have not seen with a hope that cannot be shaken. It's faith. So I would encourage you to examine that, to take time to remember, to build something you can call your Ebenezer, to say, look, the Lord has helped us to this point, and to recognize that he will continue to help you into the future. Now, our hope here at Gretna is that the future of this year calls us to be as my wife coined the other day, 2020 together. It's our hope that it will bring us together stronger in the body of Christ. And also our hope that it will give us an opportunity this year will bring with it opportunities to share the message of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with everyone else that we touch. And our friends, our family, our communities to glorify God, to shine a bright light on him everywhere we go. We hope it will bring us together and we believe that God can move us into that future because of what he has already done and what he's already carried us to and what he's doing right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and may he give you peace. God bless.